0: Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of our wrestling series, Keep it, keeping it real. Uh, we do several other series, wrestling, MMA, football, recorded and live, including uh, mental health, conspiracy theories, loads of stuff. Just uh, check it out on youtube.com slash acepodcastnation for the video versions and the audio versions are available at uh, every podcast platform you could possibly think of. Uh, but yes, yeah, so today we're going to talk a bit of a uh, bit of wrestling, bit of wrestling journalism and media, and uh, just have a lot, nice general chat. And uh, we're talking to Inside the Ropes lead writer, Mr. Gary Cassidy. Welcome, Gary. How are you going, mate?
1: Not too bad at all. Thanks for having me. Um, a little bit earlier than we normally do, but I've got a cheek to say that because it's not the morning. So <laughs> yeah, that's it. Isn't it?
0: But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit of a strange time, really. Like I'm so used to doing particularly the wrestling shows I tend a lot of them are with um, guys from America so they're always like late at night but uh, it's nice to do I I did one with Kenny uh, McIntosh obviously you you work with and uh, Alex McCarthy I've done a few with so they're the only guys I get to do wrestling ones really with in the day so uh, it makes a nice change yeah it's nice and um, refreshing indeed so there's look there's so many different uh, stories and narratives and whatnot to talk about in wrestling at the moment there's all sorts of stuff going on good and bad um but kind of just before we get to that i wanted to have a little chat about you just uh, in case there is anyone who's kind of not familiar with uh, with you and what you're doing and stuff like that so um kind of tell us a bit about you where you're from and that you're kind of how you ended up in wrestling media, of all places.
1: Yeah, I, I guess the best place to start is that people can hear my voice, they can hear my accent. I'm, I'm pretty Scottish. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm from Glasgow, um, you know, right in the middle of Scotland. I'll say should be the capital city, but let's not get into that debate. That's me being purely biased. Um, but yeah, grew up in Glasgow, lived here my whole life, and then I had a real interest in like media, and particularly in journalism, when I was in high school didn't really know what I wanted to do mind but I had that kind of little interest that ah, maybe I'll do something there went to you know college went to university done all that kind of thing realized in that time that journalism probably wasn't what I wanted to do uh, just for doing a bit of you know work experience here and there mainly at tabloid newspapers which yeah. I think you know, most journalists have been through that and probably had a similar experience. Unless they ended up there, um, and I was like, nah, it's not for me." Maybe I'll kind of I'll continue get my degree because you know I think it'll be helpful anyway. And then done that, kind of transitioned and done a wee bit of music journalism. But most people that do music journalism will tell you that it's not the kind of thing that's easy to make a living off of in any way, and no. even not not even make a living, but make enough to justify. Taking time out of your day to do, apart from going to gigs and stuff, which you would be doing anyway. Um, So I kind of done that for a bit and then completely stopped, completely done, you know, zero journalism for a good few years, while I was trying to just get a stable job. Oddly, I fell into a job that, um, so for people that would be unfamiliar with me, and I think some that are familiar with me might not even know, but journalism isn't my full-time job. Um, I do it as much as I can, but my full-time job is as a a subtitler. Um, doing the broadcast subtitles for BBC Channel 4, all the kind of UK channels and and a load of others as well. Yeah, so so that's the kind of job that, you know, I really enjoy it. So the journalism thing, I never wanted to be full-time because I know that it wasn't what I wanted to do at one point. So I got that job. And then just the way I am, a few years into it, I was like, I kind of want to do something else. Mm -hmm. I'm the kind of person, I don't like doing one thing. I need to always be doing something else. And just somehow, um, I ended up seeing, scrolling through Facebook, my Facebook used to be the most cluttered thing ever. It'd be full of adverts, different pages, and I seen a thing from uh, a website called Sports Gita, um who I ended up writing a, a fair load of articles for, but this was um, just looking for contributors, you know, anyone that can write some content, and then it'll go through the editors. If it's good enough, it'll make it to the site or whatnot. <laughs> Wrote a really silly uh, article on what football team John Cena supports, And it was literally him holding up a Spurs top while he was in the UK for a WWE live tour. Um, Wrote that article and they were like, you're not really meant to be writing news, but we can tell you're good at writing. So we'll bring you on board as a news writer if you want. And you can just kind of freelance do what you want. Yep, cool, I'll do that. So I done that and then um, ended up, you know, as most news sites do, aggregating a load of news. Uh, which is pretty much just covering news from a source that's not yourself. Um, of course, crediting them, doing all that good stuff, making sure you quote them correctly. Uh, and I've done it for a website that I, I always annoyingly forget what website it was. It was either Total Guitar or Guitar World, but the article was on Elias being sponsored by Fender. And okay. the person who wrote that article uh, got in touch with me and they said you know, thank you so much for covering that because my editor didn't really want me to run a WWE story and a guitar magazine didn't think it was worthwhile. The fact that you've picked it up and a few others have has made it look like it was worthwhile. Um, If 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 there's anything I can do for you, when anyone says that, you're like, I know that's an empty promise, but thank you anyway. I appreciate the gesture. Turns out he was like, no, no, I can get you an interview with either Jim Ross or Diamond Dallas Page. And I was like, yeah, of course, yeah. I'll get your hand off for one of them. I'll take Diamond Dallas Page if there's the choice because I grew up as a massive WCW fan. So I was like, yeah, I'll take uh, Diamond, Diamond Dallas Page if I can get an interview with him. Got that interview, and then ever since then, I've been like, right, this is something I really want to get, you know, as involved in as I possibly can. Again, it's the kind of thing that I'm obviously not that involved because I want to stay in the subtitling gig because I love that. Yeah. Um, but the wrestling thing, it's something that, Ever since I started doing it, um I done it maybe I started three years ago. That first interview came maybe two and a half years ago. I believe it was April of twenty eighteen, I think it would have been. Um and ever since then I've just been trying to interview as many people as I can, find out as much as I can, and be as involved as I can. Um and obviously, you know, my tenure at that came to an end, but I was really lucky to get an opportunity inside the ropes. And for me, being from Glasgow, I know that you said you've spoken to Kenny McIntosh before. He's the kind of guy that I think just commands so much respect across yeah. wrestling media. Um, even though he's, you know, it's questionable whether he's a journalist or not. He's, no. he's more, more of like an interviewer, podcaster, overall entrepreneur, I guess. Um, but just he was someone that I think commands so much respect, particularly being from Glasgow and being a wrestling fan. That I was like, man, I need to work for this guy. I need to be part of what his vision is. And yeah, here we are, writing for Inside yeah. the Ropes for a couple of weeks now, and absolutely loving it.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things I'd pick out from that. I think, um, going back to what you said about music journalism, um, I've heard that from a few people. Like, it's obviously, it's an enjoyable gig if you like music because of what it is, but there's just nothing in it. There's no um, kind of long-term financial uh, outlook in it, unfortunately, which is unfortunate because, obviously, like, I'm 40 next year and, um, like, I grew up on, like, and and... Melody maker and stuff like this and and Q and things, you know, all the like music magazines and stuff and they're just not about anymore really. Or certainly and the ones that are they're not quite they're more like general men's magazines. Rather back like back in the day they was all just about bands and upcoming bands and just everything was very much focused on music and I think that kinda shows that The long term prospects are perhaps just not there for the journalists and the guys who want to do it. And I think part of that might be that MTV and things like that are just not what they were back in those days. Obviously, when Sky in the UK first came about, like MTV and things like this was like a whole new thing, wasn't it? It was massive. But now they're just another channel. It's
1: just... Yeah, annoyingly, I think, um, and and I'm completely hypocritical when I say this as a customer of the the service that I'm about to mention. But things like Spotify, I think, have just completely yeah. killed any need for it. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, I love Spotify, so I can't really argue. No,
0: but I think like <laughs> Spotify and also podcasts generally, like. If you've got like a a couple of really kind of big interests, whether it be like wrestling or football or whatever, you probably listen to at least one podcast, or you found like a podcast which you really enjoy. And I think if you've got like a few a few podcasts that you listen to each week, so like using wrestling as an example, if you've got like say two podcasts which you won't miss, and then you've got a couple of others which you try to listen to every week, and you're trying to fit in watching all the wrestling that's available to watch every week and then the pay-per-views and things like that it doesn't leave very much time for anything else especially like you say if you've got a full time job and then you're in your case you're doing like wrestling journalism in my case i'm doing like podcasting it's, it makes it impossible to just do it you can't do everything um the other thing which i wanted to i sort of wanted to discuss with you uh, a little bit obviously I don't know how long ago it would have been, but like a few years back, Sports Kida was not the most respected of wrestling websites, shall we say. That's a um, very
1: polite way of putting yeah, it, Yeah, <laughs> It was not.
0: It was like, it was not good. Um, but over the last, I don't know, so two years, three years maybe, I think they've turned it around massively. Um, and I know there's a few people involved in that and obviously you're a massive part of that, I think it's fair to say. Um, was there kind of like a concerted effort with them to change the public perception of what they were doing? So it's a bit of an odd one because, you know,
1: like I said, the way I started writing for them was completely on a whim. I didn't pay much attention to wrestling journalism at all before that. I knew of a few names. I did keep up with, you know, Sean Ross Sapp for Fightfuls, one guy that I've always kind of known was there. Dave Meltzer, you know, I've always kind of looked at his stuff. But apart from that, I was clueless, so I didn't yeah. know of the reputation until I actually started writing for them. Um, and it was the kind of thing, you know, it didn't really bother me because at, at that time I was like, well, all I can do is my best work. Hopefully people will take me rather than the platform. Yeah,
0: yeah Sometimes
1: that works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it, it only yeah. takes seeing your name on Reddit and then seeing the next comment be, being like, well, he's from Sportskeeda, so he's obviously lying, uh, to, yeah. to kind of get that into your mind. But in terms of when I was there... um. So, again, I I don't mind mentioning the name. I believe the guy that um, kind of the bad reputation was there from was a guy called Billy Batty. Um, Yeah, yeah, who had left, well, left, um, Mm. (laughs) was no longer there by the time I started writing for them. So everything I got about him was hearsay. Um, All I remembered was that I'd seen him on Big Brother a few years ago. And then now I know more about who he is and and why people maybe don't have the best feeling towards him. Uh, (laughs) to, To, again, put it mildly. But while I was there, yeah, um, there was definitely a huge effort in terms of we want to be more credible. I know that everyone wants to be more credible, so that's kind of a generic,
0: vague statement, you know? If you yeah.
1: if you don't want to be credible, you shouldn't be in wrestling journalism. Um, but they were but, having
0: to come from behind, weren't they? Yeah. You get, they weren't starting from a level playing field, if you like, to, no. to get that credibility, which I think yeah. makes, it more, makes it more difficult, doesn't it? Because, like you say, you'll have places like Reddit and social media whereby as soon as they see Sportskeeda, they automatically would have gone, oh, that's bullshit, and yep. it makes it really difficult. So, sorry to interrupt you there. Like but no, obviously, no. to make that concerted effort, it would have been challenging at first, I would have thought.
1: Yeah, I think that was the... So, so that kind of thing, most of the things that I was putting out to begin with that were exclusives via Sportskeeda that we would obviously get linked back to Sportskeeda were interviews, And that's the kind of thing where no one can really question an interview because it's came from someone else's mouth that is someone that you would be sourcing no matter where it was coming from. Um, So that made it easy um, for me, essentially, to get my name out there. And just because I was also posting stuff on my own Twitter, which it seemed to be good timing that people, you know, I mentioned before Sean Ross Sapp, you've mentioned Alex McCarthy has been on the show before. People like that were um, using me as a source in terms of those interviews. And then I never wanted to be a sources guy. I still wouldn't count myself as one. I don't really like that way of doing things because it's so open to even if you're right, you can be wrong kind of things. Um, But because I was only putting out minimal ones of them after I'd been doing interviews for a long time and most of them, the journalists that were covering them, were easily able to verify things that were happening it all seemed to be you know quite easy for me yeah. to get over the reputation side of things but there was still that wee boundary with sports that and as people that have been on twitter will have seen obviously there was someone working alongside myself that has now said they didn't have sources and um, so that reputation might now be back on the back burner a little bit but it's annoying because for me, there are so many people there doing brilliant work, particularly the person that is in charge of everything now is doing yeah. great work. And there's a load of writers there that just won't get the credit they deserve because people can't get over the name. And, and it's an annoyance because, you know, people are just like that with anyone. I know that sports ski does get a really bad reputation, but you can't go on Reddit and see a comment about someone without a comment that you know, detracts from them in the same yeah, on Twitter. You know, it's just the way it, the way the world does now. People like what they like. Negativity, yeah,
0: yeah. But, but, um, sorry, I was going to say, like, I think for me, like, when I kind of first sort of changed, maybe the way I looked at sports key there was when I think when Alex McCarthy started doing stuff for them. Yeah. For me, that was like, well, they must have changed in quite a drastic manner because obviously he works for Talk Sport and stuff, so he's not gonna um jump on board with anything which is remotely suspect if you if you like with where they're getting their information from or, or what they're doing because you can't afford to because obviously through talk sport he gets lots and lots of direct communication and interviews and things with like WWE which not very many people have the pleasure of doing that i know you've had some uh, some cracking interviews yourself so i think that for me was the the kind of turning point and obviously Recently, you've had, like you mentioned, the the guy who didn't have sources. And this is my um, thing you mentioned there about, like, you didn't want to be, like, a sources guy. And I think in any media, it's so difficult um, as a journalist because you don't want to name your source because they're not going to be your source for very long if no, you <laughs> do. But equally... It is open to abuse from the wrong people and wrestling media is full of those people, which makes it then very difficult for the credible people like some of the people we've mentioned, like Sean and um, Alex, Dave Meltzer. And uh, and I know Dave Meltzer gets a lot of grief. My main issue with Dave is more that he sometimes muddies opinion and source. (laughs) So you've got to listen very carefully. And if you really care that much, you'd have to go back and... like. Really, really listen to make sure you can tell the difference between what's his opinion and what's he's reporting. But you know, that's. But I generally I enjoy him, and Brian. So I do listen to them, them two together. Um, but like Sean is Sean's done loads to help me, just as a guy. Like he's um, a top man, and um, in my opinion, he's one of the one of the best ju- uh, wrestling journalist media guys that there is because yeah, like he you. he treats it as it should be which is if you're going to be a journalist whether you're a wrestling journalist a music journalist a football journalist a billiards journalist you do it properly and if you get a story like a story from a source you go and source it somewhere else to make sure it's true you don't just run with the the first source um but yeah unfortunately there's a lot of uh sites and guys and i wouldn't put sports Keter in this at all even though they've had this issue with this one guy recently um I I apologise because I don't know the name of the guy who runs it all at Sports Sportskeeda, but I do know that he's very very good and he's doing a good job. So I apologise to, to him. Who's, but um, it's not his fault that the uh, this particular guy has. And I don't want to name him because I don't want loads of people to tweet him yeah. shit like because whatever he's a human at the end of the day. Yeah, I know all about negativity. Um, but I say that and then I'm just about to go on a yeah yeah but you've got like places like ringside news and others which just just tweets talk report utter bollocks to put it frankly and then they take other people's stuff and don't um like say where they've got they don't credit where they've where it's come from and I just think that's so problematic because it then makes it very difficult for people like yourself and Sean and Alex and you know, whoever it may be, anyone who's trying to do things the right way, particularly for people. So like Dave Meltzer has been in there for years, haven't he? So like some people don't believe him, some people believe him. But what you can't deny is that he's got sources and he knows people in the WWE, he knows people in AEW, he knows people in wrestling all over the world. Yeah. That's a fact. Um, and then you've got you know Sean whilst he's only I think been doing it like five or six years or seven years like full time it's very very clear by his interviews the things the reports, everything that he's got sources and stuff but for someone who's new coming in and wants to make this their their career it's so difficult because if you if you report something or you treat someone and you say, oh I've been told this. Everyone is straight. Wrestling fans are very vocal, anyway, on social media. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the first, the go-to thing is like, "Uh, or well, who told you that?" Well, I'm not gonna. I can't tell you that because, like I said, it won't, they won't be a source for very long. Or it's, well, that's rubbish. And it's like you're fighting an uphill battle because you straight away. It's almost like people compare those the new people to the bad sites as a default, and then you've got to work your way up to be considered credible um like what's that like for someone who's in wrestling media when you've got quite a few kind of sites and people like you mentioned billy batty earlier you had like brad shepherd although i haven't heard much from him recently but you know these types of people which make it difficult (laughs) yeah i I, i've muted and blocked him so i think (laughs) it's finally worked because he i used to used to block him or I blocked him, and then he would still somehow end up on my (laughs) timeline. I was like, oh, God. Trying to... Positivity, like, just try and make my timeline a little bit more positive, and he'd still end up on there. And all the negative guys who I've blocked, they still end up... Someone else, like, shares them or screenshots them or something. But, yeah, like, that's got to be difficult for you, for for all the guys who are trying to do this right.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a tricky one because... So looking at it from the outside in, if you didn't know anything at all about, you know, wrestling journalists or media, the word sources oddly creates a level playing field because yes. if you didn't know any better, then anyone can just say sources. And, you know, even if you were to make, and I, I I know this would be really difficult, but even if you were to make one really good educated guess, you could live off that forever. It's the yeah. kind of thing that, you know, say I was to make an educated guess and not even be educated guess if i was to say i see m punk's coming back in smackdown which is the least likely thing ever but on the random off chance that happens i'm yeah. instantly legitimate for saying that even though i've just guessed um yeah. and that's the kind of the kind of thing that's a bit you know it's annoying because if you're putting in the work and someone can just say random things say 10 things and one of them hits and sometimes people just ignore the other nine things and then the one that hits is the thing that legitimizes them and it is a bit annoying but for me that's why i never wanted to do a sources type thing and i always completely steered clear of it the first time i actually put one out um was from a wrestler i was talking to that had been released and they just didn't want named and I put it, uh, I was quite lucky where I put it as you know one of the recently released wrestlers. Everybody thought it was a bigger name than it was, uh, mm. <laughs> which was good. But the only, um, or the first time that I ever properly put out something where I was like this is make or break but I've, I'm have i like 95% sure it's make and then the other 5% I guess is always going to be the risk because yeah. things can change. Uh, and I've actually got Sean Ross Sapp to thank for it because I had heard something um, but I heard something I'd been sent a message that was essentially the script for SmackDown. Uh, So it was, again, as clarified as it could be at that point in time, unless the script gets ripped up and they start again. And it was about the full segment of um, Jeff Hardy and Sheamus with the the urine um, sample being thrown. So, again, not something that I particularly wanted to to write about, but I'd put out a little teaser on uh, Twitter. And, again, it's the kind of thing where should just keep quiet but can't help myself at the end of no. the day. You know, you need to put it out there so that you can say you're right when it happens. Um So I'd done that and then you know, 24 hours passed. People had kind of started being like, oh, what's this? Um, But 24 hours passed and I was like, ah, I'll just kind of let that be. Sean started uh, DMing me and he's like, oh, please tell me this isn't it, what you've heard because I've just heard the same thing and it was the exact story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was like, I was thinking about running it but if you want to run it I would encourage that you run it first because I know that you had the story first and um, I know that you know as legitimate or as legitimate as can be he's like I can add to the sources that have verified that for you because you know I've told you the exact same thing and, and you know that's the thing that's happening so I ended up I wasn't sure and I was like Do you know what I'm just going to run the story I've been in this game, I say in this game long enough, but i would only been on it for like almost three years at that point, because it wasn't that long ago. But I was like, been on it long enough that if it you know, if it's wrong, I'll just take it in the chin. It's not yeah. a big deal. Uh, I'll go back to interviewing as long as I get the interviews, it doesn't it matter? Um but it obviously happened. Uh, the most nervous I've been watching wrestling. I think I was the only person that enjoyed that segment because of it. Um but I was like, right, that came true. So I know that at least the couple of people that had verified that for me are legitimate. And then it's the kind of thing where, you know, you just get these for various people, you know. Oddly, someone, um, so I put out something recently, and someone, I think, started this rumor, and a few people have now said that they think one of my sources is Paul Heyman, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I'm like, well, if that's the case, then I'll take that. If you think one of yeah. my sources is Paul Heyman, I'll definitely take that. But yeah, it's, it's the kind of, to go back to the point, it's, it's a bit, of, I'd, I'd guess a difficult one if you're breaking in and didn't have the background of having been sourced already for interviews, I think that yeah. made life a lot easier for me because my name was already at least kind of known by people that were sourcing the, you know, anything for media. So they were like, it's an easy jump to make to go from Gary Cassidy has said this to Gary Cassidy has said this. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of one that was a, an easy one for me. But I think overall, it is a difficult one and it does lead to you know, the possibility
0: of fake news being out there, which we know there's a lot of it. So. <laughs> oh, yes. And I think it just, just makes everything a bit more difficult, doesn't it? Um, yeah. For everyone, And for everyone, not just, you know, even the other less credible, credible websites, it makes it more difficult for them. But equally, wrestling it being what it is, particularly the WWE, but wrestling as a whole, is things do change so quickly. Like one week, they might be planning to push whoever, by the following week's TV, they've changed their mind or a certain individual has changed his mind. So that makes it very difficult because one thing you might have been told or anyone might have been told one week could be completely out the window in five days, six days time. And then if you... So like people like Dave Meltzer, they report everything which they get told pretty much or not everything, but they report a lot, particularly storyline plans and things like that. Whereas I know Fightful try not to report on storyline plans generally um, on the main site because things change all the time. You can It can almost damage your credibility, even though the you, they might be getting from legitimate sources. You could be getting it from Vince McMahon himself. But because you can't name the source, like we discussed earlier, it makes it difficult if it keeps changing because it makes you look bad, even though the information was right when you reported it if that makes sense and it's yeah. just kind of like the nature of the business isn't it yeah definitely and that's the kind of thing that
1: so it's a bit of a tricky one because my least favorite thing i think is actually the the easiest thing to get away with making up um and i've only reported on this kind of thing once and i tried to add substance to it but it's the kind of thing where like you said there is in line for a big push Certain name is in line for a big pusher is well-liked backstage. It can change, obviously, but it's it's also the kind of thing where no one's going to come out from WWE or elsewhere and say, well, that's untrue, we don't like that person that we've employed. (laughs) So so it's a bit of a tricky one, and I've always tried to steer completely clear for that. It's the kind of thing, you do hear a lot of that kind of stuff because it's the easiest thing for someone to say, easiest thing for someone to hear, or even just gather from being part of the company you know you can tell who's liked um but the only time i've ever put that out was about keith lee and again i was quite lucky because alex mccarthy reported a very similar thing like just before me and that was one of those ones where i was like i can add to his report credit him of course um which again muddies the waters because some people be like oh you're piggybacking off that or you're just copying his report Like, it's it's no copying if you credit that person um so i'd i'd kind of jumped on he had said um that apparently Keith Lee was very well liked by Vince McMahon and, and, you know, he's the kind of person that that stuff can come from and you know it's legitimate. Um, but I'd been told uh, that essentially, yes, that was true, but we might see some tweaks to his character back and forth, you know, which it was essentially about his attire. I'd reached out to say, what's all this about his music and his ring gear being changed yeah. <laughs> to see if I could get any information. And I was told, yeah, um, that might not stay the case the music is still the same. Who knows if it will stay the same, but the ring gear has been sense tweaked sense. a wee bit. But yeah, it was the kind of thing where I'm like, I'll put that out. Yeah, but yeah that's of course. Also the thing about the, the piggybacking thing, that's one that people can get very confused on because I even yeah. got um, accused of plagiarism by someone for stealing a report from Ryan Satin. Okay. So the report that I'd stolen was me saying that Gallows and Anderson had signed with Impact. Um, in my article, I said, as previously reported by Ryan Satin, and put everything he'd said out there and then yeah. added to that I've been told they've now signed um, so it's a bit of a tricky one it's such a so you know you're just so watching you're, you're walking a tightrope <laughs> essentially
0: yeah do you know what like kind of just to finish us off on media and stuff um, crediting things is a bit of a pet peeve for me um, so very quickly it's a non-wrestling thing but um, I did a podcast for our live we do a live football podcast on a Monday where we have guests and we've had some quite cool guests like Emil Heskey and a few others yeah um but anyway through a friend of a friend i got um an exclusive we got an exclusive kind of uh guest which was the Cardiff city chairman and not only did we get him and he doesn't do a lot of media but we got him to talk specifically about uh the Cardiff city player who died in a plane crash so not cool him but cool that you know so i haven't got yeah. to explain. <laughs> yeah um So we had got him on, we knew, I knew that he was going to be like as open as he'd ever been and stuff. So I was, it was, it was a bit of, you know, at the time it was like a massive thing for us. And being from Cardiff myself, it was huge. And the guy who I do it with is an ex-Cardiff player. So it all kind of was like great. And then literally like we do it on a Monday and then the Tuesday and the Wednesday and the Thursday and the Friday. Kind of all these different mainstream newspapers and stuff started with like the local ones were picking up quotes and and stuff out of the podcast but they weren't mentioning the podcast or even like the title of the show i wouldn't have been offended if they'd said the andy campbell football show because yeah. he's more well known than what i am he's an ex premier league footballer and he's an ex cardiff footballer so that's fine say that you know you I don't expect you to say the andy campbell football show on ace podcast nation on youtube but it's like don't nick like an hour and a half of our exclusive interview and don't mention anything. Like I got and I got really pissed off about it because we you know like I'm like we're still growing very much on YouTube. Like I'm still trying to get to like a thousand subscribers and things like this. And it's kinda like if people are nicking your your best bits and putting them out as like they've got this big exclusive particularly when it's like mainstream newspapers and stuff, it's like come on, that's Like how much does it, it doesn't take much to just say on Ace Podcast Nation. Do you know what I mean? It does not hurt their article to do that. Yeah. And I got really pissed off about that. And I DM'd one of them and I was like, come on.
1: (laughs) It's one thing that I absolutely hate because, um, my perfect example is obviously a wrestling example because that's where I do most of my work. Um, but for me, see if you're on a conference call, which, you know, is open to an extent because it's other media outlets are all on there. Um, but for me, I will always live tweet them. Yeah. But if I don't hear who has asked the question, even if the answer was the cure for cancer, I would not be live tweeting it because I'm like, you need to make sure you're crediting the person. And course, even yeah. though that's an open thing, that you know, it's a round table, you, know, you don't want to make it out right? as if
0: it's yours, do you?
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's the kind of thing that really annoys me. People have done it to me in the past and it can give away a brilliant inclusive you get. But it's just the I guess it's just the way it is. The only thing you can do personally is make sure you're doing everything right. And yeah. annoyingly that means that even if you're doing everything right, everyone else can do it wrong and still yes. hinder you. But at least that you get that little bit of comfort in knowing you've done the right thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's it. Like you can only just you could just do what you can do, can't you? And you just try yeah. and do things the kind of right way. Um Okay, so we're going to move on just to some general wrestling now. So to start us off, I wanted to play a game. And I say I wanted to play a game. I've literally just created this in the last 30, 30 seconds in my head while we've been talking. So um, what I want you to do is I want you to tell me three things which you are either not enjoying, don't make sense, or are just, in your opinion, crap at the moment in wrestling. can be from any company. Just three storylines, characters, whatever they may be. And then when you've told them to me, I'll tell you what you've got to do after that.
1: Oh, the very first one that came to mind, of course, is retribution. And I feel like it's it's tinged with a bit of sadness saying that because I love what they're doing on Twitter, but so much doesn't make sense about it. Yeah. So that for me, I'm like, oh. Uh,
0: okay. Um, so what I want you to do is yeah. I want you to tell me why retribution is good.
1: Oh, I, well, I guess I've kind of mentioned it there. On Twitter, the fact that the, fire. the, yeah, the, the talents who are involved are all talented people. Um, annoyingly, I think the storyline would work really well for them if they'd used their real names, because they've all got a general claim as to having been wronged in NXT. Um, but I think the talents, despite being handed not the best deal of, uh, <laughs> of things creatively, have all made the best of it on Twitter, I think. Dominic Dijakovic in particular. And we've even forgot that name because T-Bar on Twitter, everyone's talking about T-Bar, the responses he's had, particularly Chris Jericho. Uh, That's incredible. I, gotta so, say. I mean, I don't have a dog in the fight, but if you're going to say something like that, I'm going to laugh. So I was yeah. like, yeah, this is brilliant. So I think they're doing really well on Twitter. And if they're letting them be like that on TV, I'm watching. I'm watching yeah. and I'm invested.
0: Yeah, I don't think the gimmick's dead. I, um, obviously, the wrestling podcast, which I do with Andrew Thompson, um, Keeping It Real, which comes out on Saturday, um, where we just round up everything. I said on Friday, or well, Friday when we recorded it, but Saturday when it went out, I just said, like, I actually am still enjoying the storyline. Like, I know I know there's there's massive bits of it which don't make sense, and they're dropping the ball. Like, there was no need for the names, really. Like, I could even understand if they had changed Shane Thorne's name not sure about the name they gave him, but I could have understood them changing his name because out of all of them, he's kind of got like that tag team lower cards yeah. thing on him. So if they wanted to separate him from that, I could get changing his name. Um, Like Dominic Dijakovic, everyone knows who he is. He was on the main roster for a little short while around Survivor Series last year. He's massive. So he stands out. Everybody knows who he is. Um, Dio Madden was bloody commentator on Raw, and it's like he—you didn't need to change his name because Dio yeah. Madden's quite a cool name, and he had a legitimate reason for like being upset and being yeah. in this group. Like it was the perfect way to bring him back. Same with all of them, really, and like I don't know. It, there's like there's holes in it in there. Like Mia Yim ev- on NXT, her and Keith Lee are a couple. <laughs> But like that's completely ignored, and it's like can't can't you just throw something together, just she throw it together him in
1: the ring because uh, they interrupted a Keith Lee match. Oh, but,
0: that's like, right. Uh,
1: yeah, and it was like, come on, <laughs> and just it just address uh, it like,
0: like in some yeah. way. And I don't fine, know what, but like just something.
1: It's the next week when they had because Mia Yim is like the one that annoys me the most because I think she's brilliant, but she is the most recognizable person maybe yeah. across the full roster. <laughs> Because, yeah. you know, the, the blue hair, she's obviously, they're showing half her face. And it was yeah. just like, ah, oh, that that was the one that got to me. But at the same time, I try and suspend my disbelief. And it's the kind of thing where you mentioned that you're you're kind of enjoying the storyline. I'm not disliking. I do quite like when they turn up. I just, there are just a lot of holes in
0: it. Yeah, but <laughs> I think those holes could should. easily be rectified. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like a good way to have done it would have been if you had like, say, Paul Heyman, of being the guy behind it. Not necessarily that he's with them, and he's with them every week, but he could have been the one that put the group together, and you could have just had them play a clip at the start of a show and just say, and him just, like, recruiting them, and that's how we got together. And then the mayhem went from there. Little explanation, ties it all up, because Paul Heyman got fired from Raw. There you go. Easy. And then... I don't really get the masks like I don't hate them. I just wish there was a reason for them. Yeah. Like there's yeah. no reason why these people who we know, everyone knows who they are, have got these masks. Like, I don't know. Like if they were masks which hid their identity, okay, I, that's fine. But they're not. They're, they're, they're half masks, so it makes no sense. Um, so, yeah, I'm still, and I and by at the end, as I said to you, Andrew, I think I said it for the last three weeks, is ultimately what happens with this group will depend on when they start having individual mass, uh, matches, feuds. If they're losing in three weeks or being 50-50 and losing then winning and losing, they'll be dead anyway. It's yeah, like in thought- terms of like now they could be main event guys. They could come in and be the same level as Keith Lee. Now at this very moment, if you have Dijakovic's first singles match be versus Keith Lee, or Randy Orton or Drew McIntyre And he wins convincingly Or like cleanly Then he's pretty much Made as long as he doesn't then go on Like a losing streak for six months Like there's ways to do it If when Brock Lesnar Comes back whenever it is If Deal Madden goes after him with like a Like on Brock Lesnar's First appearance back on Raw If Dio Madden turns up And beats him up with a lead pipe He's pretty much made for at least the short term, and there's a reason for it. But well, you know, it's, but if they're losing in a month, then what was the point in all of it? Yep, because you may as well have just debuted them all individually, and kept their names and kept their gimmicks. Because apart from Shane Thorne, maybe all their gimmicks would have been, you know, you could have done something with them. Um. Okay. Next thing, ah. for you. So again,
1: this isn't even something I dislike as such, but it's something that I'm bored of, Um, and I hate to say it, because I love actually, it's two talents I'll throw in, I love both of them, but I'm really bored watching NXT and seeing Tommaso Ciampa and Adam Cole and I never thought I'd say that, because I love both guys, but it's just really stagnant
0: Yes, Um, so I read a report, it might have been from you actually Um, I can't find it now, Um, but I read a report about, oh yeah, it was I think it was you uh well, it's on inside the rope, so it probably is you. Um about they're gonna they're planning to have Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly as faces and the other two as as the other the other two which sounds so disrespectful. Yeah. <laughs> um Bobby Fish and uh, Roderick Strong as heels and I would assume that they'll eventually kind of feud. Looks like your cat's going to jump on your head.
1: No, yeah, so I've did, got the... He was like posed, ready to go. A nice little bit of distance between us. She just nah, likes going right crazy go. and running up on top uh, of the TV unit. You know?
0: <laughs> and um, yeah, so like, I was like... See, whilst it'll probably be entertaining, like when Adam Cole lost Finn Balor and they did the two Sweet thing backstage, I was like, right, either keep him off TV completely... No, none of them have got titles, none of them are in feuds, keep them all off TV completely and have them turn up on SmackDown on the night of the draft. Or... Yeah. Like, I would, I'd like them all to go together. But, you know, if worse comes to worse, then Adam Cole could go on his own and they could come up at you know, a later date to yeah, support wait, him or when he's outnumbered or something, which would be a great pop, you know, if they did put Adam Cole up on his own and then when he gets into a feud with whoever six months down the line and he's being beaten down, they turn up and there's fans back in the... You know, that'll be a huge pop. What I didn't want to see was them do the Undisputed Era breakup up angle um, or the feud. Now, whilst I don't doubt that the matches will be good, the feud will probably be very entertaining because it's the one thing we haven't seen from them in NXT. I do get that. But I kind of want them as a package on the Raw or SmackDown. And I feel like even though they don't really care about NXT carrying over to Raw and SmackDown as we just discussed yeah. with some of those people like it would be ludicrous if they're all feuding on Wednesday and then Vince McMahon says right we're ready for Adam Cole and undisputed era they turn up on Friday to SmackDown and they're all like united front yeah. <laughs> which all right wouldn't be a problem if on that episode of SmackDown like after they had their segment, they went backstage and they said and they addressed it and said, oh, yeah, we were we got our wires crossed or whatever. You know, they made some sort of explanation. But when we got the call, we could come up together or not at all. We were like, yeah, and we got we've we sorted our problems out and now we're going to take over the main roster, whatever. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but like there you go. If they addressed it, it would be OK. You could get around it. But they wouldn't. They would just have them on Wednesday feud in. Probably be the main event because it would be their last match on NXT. So they would get a big goodbye of a, like a fatal four way, beat the crap out of each other, and then they'd open up SmackDown as a unit, and it'd be like. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, Adam Cole should have been. He should have come up when they did the Survivor Series last year. Yeah, and he got that pop when he came out to feud with. Well, who did you have the match with on SmackDown? Daniel Bryan, wasn't it? Daniel Bryan on SmackDown right. and then Seth Rollins on Raw, I think it was. Yeah, he got a massive, massive pop. And I felt like they should have, after that kind of Survivor Series feud had finished, I felt like the Monday after Survivor, or the Friday, sorry, after Survivor Series, um, on the SmackDown, you, you'd have had Daniel Bryan doing whatever he was doing and then have them come up and attack him and kind of, start that feud then. They were ready for that. But yeah, I'm not really interested in seeing them feud. I gotta say, like, NXT is weird to me at the moment. Just very yeah. quickly, before we go into your next thing. Um like I can't put my finger on it. I really I like everything. I like their writing, I like the matches, I like everything about it. I enjoy it enough. I just can't get into it without the fans. I think full sales are such a massive part of it, the crowd. Yeah. And without the crowd, Full Sail becomes a very different venue. And when you can com- compare even to Daly's place for AEW, like AEW is, it's because you've got the natural daylight coming in sometimes, um, and also it's just very spacious. And then you've got the Thunder Dome with all the screens and very spacious and bright. And Full Sail very dim and dark and dingy, and with no fans creating the atmosphere, it does give you a very different product um and i almost hope that i read another one i think that might be on inside the ropes as well that they're thinking of moving out of the thunderdome shortly yeah yeah i wouldn't be too disappointed if they went and put nxt in the thunderdome whether they would fork out that amount of money for nxt i doubt but i just think they do need a new venue um yeah, I think for the time being, uh, at least while there's no fans, at least.
1: Yeah, NXT for me, it's annoying because NXT used to be my favorite wrestling show up until really recently. Um, and I still love a lot of the talents on it and I still tune in to watch them. Uh, I'm a huge Shotzi Blackheart fan, so I always mm-hmm. tune in to watch. Uh, but for me, it's just really stagnant. Uh, and it's the kind of thing that I think the venue does hold a lot of the cards there. And the fact that I'm finding, you know, two of the biggest stars quite stagnant as well On Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa. Oh, yeah, I was going to go into to him
0: now. Go on. Yeah.
1: No, but that, it's just the kind of thing where I really hope TakeOver, I always see as being, right, hopefully this is hitting the reset button and we get some stuff. But for me, it was, it's just like, I think it might be in the back of my mind that I just want to see Adam Cole and even Ciampa. I know there's a bit of, you know, here and there. I want to see them on Raw or SmackDown because I feel like they've been made to be there since two years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, there's this weird thing, you know, so with Champa, he didn't want to go on the main roster or yeah. the perceived main roster because of his, he didn't want to travel in, etc. Cetera, et cetera, And I kind of get that as someone who's got, uh, who had Spinal Fusion and stuff in, in 2013, I get not wanting to travel and yeah. doing stuff like that. I, I, I literally sat at my desk for like an hour or so and I'm in pieces. Yeah. Like, so I get that, but like whilst they've been in this COVID era, they could have given him, like when I know maybe, maybe it's a bit of hindsight, they could have given him a six-month run on SmackDown yeah, um, and he could have done great work. He also then could have been like, okay, I'm actually enjoying this. So when they do move out of the Thunderdome and that, that local area, but I don't feel they think outside the box like that, like where they think, let's give him a taste of it see you know we can have him for citizen it's a great character for six months if at the end of that six months you know he 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 wants to go back to nxt that's fine because he'll go back to nxt fresh yeah. you can do a storyline we'll have someone writing him out of smackdown or raw it all ties up but then you also got the thing where he might enjoy it and he might change his mind but yeah. i feel like they they don't think outside the box like that and i sometimes to their detriment um the other thing I was going to say about NXT just very quickly is I do feel like they. So when there was fans there and you had the regular takeovers in different cities. So you had like this big, these big shows every couple of months, what they would do is they would introduce like one or two new stars or new teams in that cycle, which helped with that kind of reset feeling. Yeah. So like, you're right, like you used to feel like, right, TakeOver, that's when they reset the storylines, they mix it all up, they have a couple of new stars come in, a couple of people go up to Raw or SmackDown, and it's kind of like a they rotate the rosters. But I think there's a couple of things have kind of contributed to that. Impact has got back a bit of steam. Uh, AEW is obviously as big as it has been. New Japan is slowly starting to get back some of the steam which it had. And I just feel like those new stars who they would have brought in before, they're not quite as available to get yeah. off the indie scene because there is no indie scene at the moment. So, and I just, I don't know whether they're not willing to take the risk without with these indie guys who perhaps they would have brought in previously, but because they haven't been wrestling for six months, those guys haven't built up like a like a reputation or a buzz so, like, you haven't got, like, a Kevin Owens or someone in Ring of Honor getting a load of attention, or an Adam Cole in Ring of Honor where everyone's looking at him thinking, God, he's made for the WWE because there's they, these shows haven't been running. Obviously, AEW being there, they pick up a lot of guys. They've got, you know, massive contacts and, and friends in the independent scenes and the different wrestling companies. Then you've got Impact, who just the mere fact that they were able to sign Anderson and Gallows and Eric Young in the same week tells you that they're back to spending at least a little bit of money because Anderson and Gallows wouldn't have come cheap, you know. even if you don't count any of the other guys. So I think it's changed the game, but they do need to do something. If it was up to me and I was running WWE, I would make the draft, like I would completely almost reset all three rosters. I would mix it up so much. Like I wouldn't put like a Randy Orton on NXT or anything like that. But I might think about like a Kevin Owens or a Sami yeah. Zayn or a Daniel Bryan, yeah. um. I would certain and I would just completely and I'd make, like I understand the need for having a certain level of star on Raw and SmackDown, but I'd also make sure that particularly SmackDown, but both both shows, underneath that main kind of star which they see as superstars like your Drews, your Randy Ortons, yeah, um. Daniel Bryan's and people like this, all the, the guys that they see as superstars, I would make sure that there was on both Raw and SmackDown uh, a good list of like five, six, seven guys of like Champa, Adam Cole, um, Riddle, just all these. So you've got like a load of guys that you can swap in and out of the main event, which is going to make the product feel fresh. But I don't know, that's what I would do. I agree. <laughs> yeah, they that's just, what I would do as well.
1: Keep the champions on the brands, but then just everything else. People everything. can go
0: anywhere. Yeah. Who would you move very quickly to if you could pick? Like I don't know, a couple of blokes, a couple of couple of women, and maybe a tag team to go to LXT, whether they've been there before or not. Who would you pick? The
1: women, the first one that came to mind, and again, this is a kind of selfish one because I think this person's really underrated. But again, it wouldn't be the star power that people would maybe want, would be Dana Brooke. Um, I would love to see her there because I feel like she's not being given the chance. The other one I would move weirdly would be Mandy Rose um, because I feel like if you put her there, she's an instant title contender. You can build her up, make her look legitimate and then bring her back to, to Raw Smackdown because they've just brought her out of her biggest storyline and then put her in a tag team match with Natalia yeah. and Lana, which was bizarre. Uh, in terms of the guys' side, it's a bit of an odd one because I feel like... I would want to move like a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn or a, a, a Daniel Bryan would be the, the kind of three names that would stand out. But they're all people that I see as being that typical NXT wrestling style. And obviously, you know, all three have been through the system and been yeah. parts of it. Um, oh, it's, I think for me, Daniel Bryan would definitely be one of them just for the matches that he could have down there and I think he would freshen it, I say down there I'm falling into that mindset I mean roster thing Um, I would say Daniel Bryan and then maybe Chad uh, Gable yeah, there you go. That's a shout. I was trying to think there. I'm gonna. I was thinking like along the lines. that I'm a massive fan of Grant Metalik. Uh, yeah. I love him uh, for yeah, a singles yeah. run. But no, I think Chad Gable would be and, and as Chad Gable, not as Shorty G. Yeah. As Chad Gable. 100%. You could build
0: him. Imagine what they could do with him in NXT. Yeah. He could come up and he could when he next time comes to Raw or SmackDown, he could be like this era's Kurt Angle, yeah. and that's why they've dropped the ball so much with him. Like um, he should be. <laughs> well, yeah, he should be. Who would you move up from NXT in the draft? Oh, I mean, I, you've mentioned a couple already. Is there anyone yeah. else who you'd move?
1: I feel like it's annoying because women's-wise...
0: I think, has got to go Oh, man, go yeah, Gargano. It's,
1: it's been too long. They've at least freshened it up ever so slightly, but I don't need to see him with a North American championship. know uh, We've seen everything that we can see with Gargano. I feel like anything else is kind of just... It's run its course. Um, I, I would again. I'd like to see shots of Blackheart on Raw or SmackDown, but that's just because I watch Raw and SmackDown live every week, uh, so that's a, a preference there. But again, I don't know. The women's divisions are so stacked all across the board that I feel like anyone's going to get lost in the shuffle, apart yeah. from maybe Ayo Shirai, I think she would be a good one to put to Raw um, or SmackDown even. Uh, and, and on the on the guy side again, ha uh, I would love to see the full of Legado del Fantasma go up, but again, I know that that's a full other booking thing where factions don't tend to get the the booking they should get on Raw or SmackDown. So no. maybe
0: maybe best that they stay at NXT for a little while. <laughs> yeah, NXT hasn't done that well with them either. Like Not when yet, they no. got together, I was like, yes, that this is going to be awesome. And then they were losing like a week later, and I was like, hmm, didn't expect that. But yeah, i uh, I think I'd move Gargano and Candice to yeah. More, yeah. I think that could be quite good as like a heel duo. Um, okay, and what was your uh, your third kind of negative or thing gimmick character whatever which you not enjoying or don't like <sighs> at the moment?
1: I might cheat a little bit with this one and say just the thing that I'm not enjoying, and this isn't even about. Wrestling is in the show. I'm not enjoying the fact that people are still sleeping on Impact. I think Impact is phenomenal, and I really wish people would pay more attention to it. So, yeah, I, that um, bit, but
0: yeah, <laughs> no, I enjoy that, and I do. um My problem is I haven't got the bloody time, and that yeah. tends that and NXT UK are the two which I tend to miss. Yeah, which it's just haven't got the time. Like I got three kids as well, who I never see because I'm always recording podcasts and stuff, and. If I've got a, if there's wrestling shows which I don't watch each week, is those two. Yeah. Um, which is a shame because I'm a massive fan of just, I'd like, I would watch Impact just for Gallows and Anderson. Yeah. And I just, I just don't have the time. But um, to finish us off, mate, I'm a massive fan, massive fan of uh, Bray Wyatt. So I like to, I, I have to mention him at least once every time I speak to someone about wrestling. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What do you make of the Alexa Bliss stuff?
1: Um, I actually really like it, and I, I should preface that by saying I'm I'm the same. I love Bray Wyatt, you know. I massively loved the Fiend when it first, you know, the character first got going. I think he's the most talented guy in WWE because he plays two of the most compelling characters that we've got. Yeah. Never mind one of them. Um, I, I I need to mention it, and I don't like to. I know you're probably going to hate this as much as I hate saying it, but the Goldberg stuff diminished the character a bit for me. Yeah. I I think actually even going back to the the Hell in a Cell match, which I didn't hate at the time, a lot of people did. I didn't hate it at the time, but then when they put the belt on him, I was like, right, this is a ticking time bomb. You've kind of, I don't mind putting everything into someone straight away but it seemed like they did just put a time bomb on him uh, and it was going to explode sooner or later so the Goldberg thing kind of ruined it for me but I still loved everything he was doing and I think he'd done a lot of good work but then it got to the point where you put the belt back on him um, and the Braun Strowman thing and I was like oh this is leading us to disaster again so the fact of pivoted away from that and giving us this fresh new storyline I love I think the fact that it seems like they've moved Braun Strowman to Raw, I'm not sure how permanent that is, but they've, they've, they've distanced them a bit, and I really like what they've done with Alexa Bliss. I think she's playing the role perfectly, and I really, as much as it's quite a not a predictable storyline because we don't know where it's going to end as such, but it's quite cliche in the way they're doing it. You know, you say the fiend and then she turns like yeah. that. But,
0: but I love it. It's like yeah, it's very good. She's yeah. very good as well, is but I Oh, brilliant see what I would do is you know I'm sure they're hoping they're gonna have fans in some way at WrestleMania is I would build Roma reigns as like completely like just an unbeatable monster now until yeah. Wrestlemania I'd kind of keep the fiend pretty light on TV um, until and I'd keep like teasing Alexa and maybe in the Firefly segments that eventually he's gonna go after Roman. And I feel like The Fiend as a babyface versus Roman at WrestleMania and The Fiend winning. Yeah. I feel like that could be a really good full circle story to their storyline. Yeah. Um, Just from all over the years and a good way to kind of put the belt on The Fiend without hurting Roman's new character because they'll have had six months of destroying everybody and stuff. I'm just not sure that they'll ever do that. Um, But equally, then, you've got two massive superstars instead of just one guy who everyone sees as a star and then all the other guys underneath. Like, obviously, in the most successful eras of WWE, they've had four or five guys who are, like, the guys. And as soon as they moved away from that, it seems to be when they've started to have more fans revolting against who they're trying to portray as the as like the guy yeah. whereas when you had like Kurt Angle the Rock Stone Cold um Triple H you had like a group of like five or six guys the undertaker and then you'd have like Kane and and others not you know just under underneath that and you had like you could rotate all of them out of the main event picture it didn't hurt them too much if they lost But these days, almost before Roman went away, most recently, it almost felt like all these guys were just competing. And then when Roman had the belt, it was kind of like they were just going to... It's just almost like they were waiting to lose to Roman Reigns. And I think that was hurting Roman Reigns as much as it was hurting all the other guys. And obviously Bray Wyatt falls into that massively. Um, Going back to the Goldberg thing, wouldn't have had a problem with that if they knew that they were going to beat Ray, uh, Bray Wyatt for the title and they were going to do it in a minute. Why didn't they put Funhouse Bray? Yeah, yeah, that's my main problem in that right? match. And yep. it's like it's so simple, but yeah, it that's the one that's the I would say that's the since the fiends come about that's the only thing I've like genuinely disliked and it really still grates on me like I didn't. Um, <laughs> even like people didn't like the braun Strowman stuff um for me i just thought they could have told the story a bit better because i when they kind of first started doing that feud i was like oh this could be really good like the the vast amount of potential storytelling here like there's so much good stuff you could delve into and so many ways you could go and i feel like they could have told like a really interesting compelling story and i feel like bits of it were quite compelling. Um but I also feel like they kind of held back a little bit and they didn't quite go back. They didn't go into the, the, the background of their relationship enough to make people who don't care about the fiend or don't care about Bray Wire or don't particularly care about Braun. I'd feel like they didn't go into enough of what they could have to make people care. Yeah. And ultimately that's what you want is people to care. And I just felt like that was what harmed it a little bit, but, um, I enjoyed seeing cult leader Bray back for a a short (laughs) while.
1: Even if it was just a cameo, still
0: good to see. Yeah, (laughs) it's a shame really that um, Luke Harper and Eric Rowan had left at that point because having them have a really short-lived Wyatt family kind of uh, reunion just for that feud or just for a couple of clips, that would have been kind of cool as well. Um, But I mean, God, they dropped that. The Wyatt family as a whole, they just dropped the ball so badly with that yep yeah, sadly but
1: at least we got the fiend from it I'll t- take that over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah
0: at least we got the fiend from it <laughs> but like every now and again I'll go and watch the clip of when the Wyatt family and the Shield have stood opposite each other across the ring and the crowd is going nuts and they haven't even touched each other yet yeah. or even got close and um, they never went back to that feud um, I don't know whether it's because Harper and Rowan got injured or whatever but like it always seemed to be like they gave, they had, they did the Elimination Chamber match, and then it was like, oh, we're going to save that for a later date. And then obviously, they fe- the Shield feuded with Evolution, and that was it. C'est yeah. La vie. But uh, yeah, I enjoy a bit of Bray Wyatt, so I'll be interested. What would you do with him now?
1: Oh, it's annoying because I, I've been saying this since they debuted, but the, the Fiend is a uh, kind of less is more character for me. Yeah. But at the same time, if they're in the Thunderdome, they're going to keep trying to get the entrance up there as much as they can, which I think is why the Alexa Bliss thing is good because we can see the, you know, they can use the, the effects, the sound effect, yes. the lighting and stuff. Um, but for me, I would keep him as maybe this kind of mysterious character for now. Maybe not even show him at all, apart from the Alexa Bliss stuff, and then bring him back. Like you said, I think the, the Roman Reigns thing would be ideal. Annoyingly, I really wanted, and I would have had no problem with it. I wanted The Fiend to be a dominant heel for a year and a half before the Goldberg thing happened. Yeah. And then for this WrestleMania that's coming up to be a face, Roman Reigns, being back in the title picture for the first time, beating The Fiend. Because yeah, I know a lot of people, well. yeah, people wouldn't like it because Roman Reigns going over. But because he'd been out for that long, you know yeah. the the looking stuff. Everyone I think would be really behind that, and it would have been a nice long term storytelling. And then you could have had the Fiend take it back off him
0: eventually. But, yeah, and ah, people well. wouldn't have minded that as well because Bray Wyatt would have had a year and a half. Yep. on top of beating everyone and being the t- being the champion, which I think is half the problem with people's perceived like, either either fans of him. He never gets like that dominant run. Yep. And then the people who quite don't quite get it or don't quite buy into him is because he always loses or was always losing that big match. Um, one ve- last thing I'd say on that is um, just to finish this off. One thing I do think they could build up while they keep The Fiend off TV is I think they should, um, even if they did it in like little clips where you have Corey Graves look back at the impact The Fiend has had on all these different... Characters and people So you start with Finn Balor It only has to be like a 60 second to 2 minutes Like a show like clips from the match Where he does the neck snap and stuff And just kind of goes You know, the, the since The Fiend has joined He's had this massive impact He's changed people And then you show Finn going into it as a babyface The match being brutal, losing Then he comes back in NXT as a heel And then you show the other people And I just think that could be a good way to to keep building it, you know, and then you have, every other week, you do one of those, and then the next week, you do a fun house, and you've got the Alexa, bit, Alexa stuff, so you're still keeping, like, the, the the mystique behind the character, and you're building him up, without having him do anything, and then maybe you want to, if they're going to have him win the rumble, which I don't think is a bad thing, you have him start attacking people, in the run up to the rumble, just everyone, just have him appear, Sister Abigail, and then he wins the rumble. Blah, blah blah, goes on to face heel Roman. There you go, easy story. But I think there's ways to there's ways to keep building characters. And one thing they did very well with Bray White in the early days is the vignettes that they used to do at like the compounds and the yeah, the cult yeah. the cult uh, vignettes. Would you ever see the one where they sent a reporter to the to the um they sent like a wwe reporter to the compound I and um, I remember that, yeah so luke harper meets him like at the gates and he guides him into this like derelict house and it's like all the lights are kind of off it's a very wrecked house um and luke harper sort of walks ahead and the reporter and the cameraman kind of peek into a room and there's just this like guy in like a rocking chair looking at like loads of tvs and it's just like audio saying, obey, 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 yeah. over and over again. And then Luke Harper kind of quickly shuts the door. And it's just very, like, interesting and compelling. And you're thinking, oh, where's this going to go? And the cult never grew from three or no. four. <laughs> yeah. Born. But, but, yeah, I you know, I just think that they could do different stuff with vignettes and stuff. But, um, Gary, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, mate. I've really enjoyed it. Um, yeah,
1: thank you for having me on, man. It's been brilliant uh, getting
0: to just chat some wrestling at a reasonable time. <laughs> Indeed. in those, Yeah, not like 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's great. Um, tell the people where they can find you on social media and where they can find your stuff.
1: Yeah, thankfully you've done the trick for me, but it's uh, Wrestling Gary, um, just one of those ones that the, the, the phrase Gary Cassidy is already taken everywhere by someone with 20 followers sadly, um, no way of me getting it off them, so I was like, ah, I tweet about wrestling, so Wrestling Gary on absolutely everything, and um, I, I always say this, my first ever interview was DDP, I feel like I've taken from him where I've just become the biggest shameless self-promoter ever, so you'll see absolutely everything that I do on my Twitter anyway.
0: And you've got a very good website, I noticed, I like that, that you've got, even though you've worked for like different places, you've got your own website which portrays all your work, I like yeah, that, I yeah. think that's a great idea.
1: Essentially um, I just wanted to make an online portfolio, so um, I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. I'll
0: just make a website, so
1: I've got yeah, garycassidy.co.uk and it's just essentially all my interviews and exclusives in one place without the stuff that I've aggregated for elsewhere.
0: Cool, I'll link it all in the description of the episode and of course check them out on Inside the Rubs as well. Um, but guys you can check out all our other series we drop at least four po- four podcasts a week usually closer to five or six to be honest but uh, and uh, videos youtube.com slash ace podcast nation please subscribe as i'm on the quest to get to a thousand subscribers as we keep growing we have some unbelievable guests depending on what your favorite uh, favorite sport is or favorite interest is I've got some unbelievable guests and interviews and exclusives. So check them out and check out social media at AceCast underscore nation. And uh, our wrestling show is at Keeping it Real underscore, but it's real with two A's, uh, which is myself and Andrew Thompson with the occasional appearance with Alec- from Alex McCarthy, usually when Andrew's unavailable. But uh, yes, Gary, it's been a pleasure, mate. I really enjoyed it. I'm sure we'll do it again very soon. Most definitely. Yeah, thank Take you, man. Thank you for having me. Cheers, and, uh, man. Cheers.